slip your headphones on. I'll be your radio. And if you turn me on, how would you ever know? Hey guys, and welcome to episode five, season seven of Requiem of the Outcast. We'd definitely like to thank all the listeners who uh, retweet and, and, and repost on Facebook when we have a new episode out. It's very much appreciated. Sorry that we weren't here uh, last month. Um, we were very busy with the Boom Effect, the uh, telethon for right. for the Sonic Boom, and of course that voice is Christiana Ellis. Hi. <laughs> In case there's any confusion, um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to pause <laughs> so that I could say something, and then I realized it wasn't going to happen. And how how many episodes have we done? And don't you realize that I never stop talking? Well, you know, I was just <laughs> hope springs eternal. <laughs> I love that phrase. Uh, yes, the boom effect. Uh, we ended up raising, I think, when all was said and done, just the telethon itself raised about $10,000. Wow. A lot of people were very gracious after the auction to donate what they had budgeted for the telethon. And maybe they didn't get the things that they were hoping for because we had a lot of hungry people out there that were just <laughs> itching to get their hands on some stuff. And the telethon ended up going for about 10 hours, about five yeah. hours past what we were originally planning on going. <laughs> and it was it was just an amazing time. And the video will be released soon. Filtering through 10 hours of video is not something that is easy to do. Yes. Especially there was one technical glitch where we lost video and then a technical glitch where some of the audio didn't record because I was hoping to sync all of that up. And so it's just been a pain in the tuchus, let me tell you. But totally worth it. Yeah, I, I have to say I was just really impressed at uh, how it all came together. I mean, I pretty much just showed up, but good work. Well, I appreciate you it. you and Pip and, and everyone who helped organize. Mm-hmm. Philippa Ballantyne, if you didn't know, she organized the auction side of it. And Billy Flynn and I hosted the telethon. And we also had some guest hosts on there with yourself. Yeah. T for about 75% of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we love you, T. Also, uh, Viv and Chooch. And Jet and the Sonic Boom herself made an appearance, and we had a few mm-hmm. people who Skyped in. We were able to do the video for that, which was fun, and we raised a lot of money. And did just also want to say thanks to everybody out there listening who uh, participated or even just stuck it out for 10 hours. Absolutely. Uh, also, last last month's ep- – not last month's episode, the episode before. Yeah, the last episode that we did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, episode four. We realized that a lot of people may not have exactly got <laughs> what we were doing. We were – it was kind of an experiment. Of course, we're still kind of learning how to do a lot of this long-form sketch well, stuff. I, I think with that one, it, it might have been more fun for us than – <laughs> for for all of you. So <laughs> if that was the case, we're sorry, but maybe only a little because <laughs> I certainly enjoyed it. <laughs> I guess whether whether or not it was a success will depend on how many people download this episode because that's how many we know stuck around. Oh. A few people, uh, we, we may have made feel like they, they didn't quite get it. And what we were doing was uh, trying to present to you a, a fan cast of a fictional movie, something mm-hmm. that didn't actually exist. So if you were wondering what the hell we were talking about, it's okay. We didn't say what the hell we were talking about. Yeah. That was kind of part of the fun of it. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, explaining a joke makes it so much funnier. Oh, absolutely. It always does. If I've learned anything from reading books about comedy, 
<laughs> Dissecting a joke always makes it funnier. But we did have uh, somebody who uh, submitted a voicemail. So for, for a moment, let's uh, <clears throat> get into Grellcast character. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another segment of the Grellcast. Uh, we've got a voicemail from somebody who, who had some some interesting opinions about whether or not it was the book or the movie that they thought was the best. Yeah. Yo, Grellcast. What the hell, man? Okay, I understand this movie is big and all. I mean, you know, I never got the anime. I, ne- I I tried reading the books and fell asleep. I mean, God, Tolstoy writes faster action, okay? I mean, Tolstoy writes faster action. You guys, you with your with your with all your hype and everything, okay, I listen to this show because, damn it, my girlfriend is into it. My new girlfriend's into it, and she wants us to all go as a family. You know, eight of us in a row. <sighs> I drove myself up a wall. What is with this Indiana Jim guy? You know, and his bad poetry and even worse, fast food orders? Dude, there's a reason why you're on the internet. Okay? Hey. But anyways, I, I just, okay. I know all you otakus love this Grail movie and everything, but you guys are crazy, okay? Four directors? How many other people's hands in the pies? The writer gets goes crazy all over the script. Come on, okay? This is going to suck balls. This is going to make all three Matrix movies look intelligent when viewed back to back. This is going to make Lucas is going to be able to point to these movies and say this movie and say at least I didn't make this. Or then again, it could be Lucas in the trailer. That would be funny. Because you know what's going to happen. Then they're going to throw Jar Jar in. He's going to just pop up out of nowhere. And, and he's not fucking with you. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. It's Lucas is in the trailer. That's who it is. So you guys have fun with your movie. I will go and I will sit through it because, you know, I'm a good person. Oh, by the way, this is C.A. Sizemore. Just, you guys with the Grail cast, you're nuts. Okay, this movie is going to suck. It's going to suck hard. And I'm sorry, but you heard it here. Later. Bye. Yeah. And so there we pay, we played the voicemail. So obviously we're we're done with the grill cast. That was just a, a one time deal, fortunately. <laughs> um, unless we feel that at some point in time that we really need to do something like that. Well, you know, we might do another one when the movie actually comes out. <laughs> exactly. We could, we could essentially pick any movie, really. <laughs> and I'll just go in and I'll just edit whatever that was. And every time there's a new movie, we'll come in and edit it. That no, we're not going to do that. That seems like entirely too much work. Knitting needles. What am I supposed <laughs> to do with these? <laughs> The power is inside me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, more fun for us. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, So what have you been up to for the past uh, two months? Working. (laughs) That's pretty much it, it seems like. (laughs) I hear you. Oh, man. Yeah, I've been uh, having to start going to a 7.30 a.m. meeting uh, every day. I mean – if you know, if I miss a, a day here, a day there, it's not a huge deal. But for the most part, I have to go, and I am not easily adjusting <laughs> to getting up that early. I am not a morning person. I've been a morning person for the past oh gosh, uh, ten, twelve years being in the the actual professional world, and it's it's a it's something I had to get used to. It was never something that I really enjoyed. I mean, there's sometimes where I'm dragging ass to get out of bed but honestly i i love my job now as a flash animator and so it to me it's fun 
And so um, there, there may be some animations coming down the pike soon. Um, been working on a, a secret project, basically some audio stuff I recorded a few months back that I never really figured out a, a good good format for it because just the audio I thought I thought was okay, but it just kind of needed something else. So you know, I I did a flash cartoon back in the day. Oh, that's right, I've seen that. Yeah, it's based on a short story of mine that was actually uh, podcasted way back before anybody knew what they were doing, including me. And so I'm I don't I'm not even sure it's online anymore. And good riddance. So oh, uh, see, you mentioned no, it. Well, what I'm going to say, what I was saying though, is that I I've actually been considering a a better version of oh. of it uh, to be released in audio. I'm not that far along with it, but mm. um, I am definitely considering that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have mentioned it at all. But uh, <laughs> anyone who... Uh, it, it's based on a short story of mine called Pool Rules. And so it was done... Like way back before I even knew anything about podcasting and mm. I was just playing around with Flash and uh, I was fairly pleased with it, but ultimately my experience <laughs> at that point was I was able to spend tens and tens of hours uh, on something that I was ultimately only moderately pleased with. Uh. And so <laughs> I was able to do less work for something I was happier with in other mediums. Gotcha. <laughs> Well, well, hopefully we'll be able to uh, announce whenever that gets done. Uh, well, we could, we could link the actual the, – the one that I did. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we may do that. Maybe put it in the episode or, uh, or in the show notes or possibly even just drop it in the feed. Mm-hmm. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Also, uh, we've been kind of working on queuing up for RavenCon, which is coming up not this coming weekend but the next weekend. I believe the weekend of the 11th uh, of April well, 2010 yes, in case you're listening yes. in the future. Eighth is my birthday. Oh, it is. It is. Oh well, happy birthday! I didn't know that. I'll probably have to make sure that's on my phone somewhere, mm-hmm. so that way I remember. Present. Um, well, I can't guarantee that. Oh, <laughs> is my friendship not enough? Well, but why did you have to make sure it's in your phone if that's not why you're doing it? So I can wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> so everybody else can wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was it that my dad said wish in one hand, crap in the other, see which way is more? Uh, <laughs> actually, it wasn't my dad. It was my mom, and she sounded exactly like that. But we've got RavenCon coming up, uh, which we will both be at, and Balticon coming up uh, Labor Day weekend. Yay! So, Wait, you mean uh, Memorial Day? Memorial Day. Yeah. Why? One of those. <laughs> I get, why, why do I get those mixed up? My birthday is usually on Labor Day. I don't know. So Memorial Day is Balticon. DragonCon is uh, Labor Day. Is it? Um, I don't yes. even remember. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll buy you a drink at RavenCon. All right. How's that? It'll be after your birthday, but it'll be shortly after your birthday. Okay. Does that count? All right. Close enough. <laughs> I may take you to one of the free parties. <laughs> so uh, this – we were talking about uh, the in-gimmick stuff mm-hmm. uh, earlier with the Grellcast, and uh, you may be able to hear Luna in the background as we are recording it's from the Ellis Estate. It's actually not Luna. It's someone outside. It's somebody outside barking? Well – That may be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> They're just out there. <laughs> yeah, I've got some weird neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, Luna's in the bedroom. She's being quiet. She's she's doing her thing. Yeah, we had to lock her in. The, she she was actually doing pretty good for the first part of the episode. Yeah. It's uh, when we were recording, she was in the kitchen at first. But uh, what happened is that eventually, what we'd just be you know going along with the scene, and we'd start hearing. <laughs> and by scene, of course, you're not necessarily you're you're not referring at all to the upcoming thing that we found, right? That we didn't produce or record or anything. What that we found. <laughs> Oh, oh no, I've ruined everything. 
So, you know, speaking of which, I just happened to find something on on <laughs> Podcast Public Radio. Podcast Public Radio. I love that. It's like NPR show. for the internet. Awesome. <laughs> I think the show is called Fresh Things Considered. Fresh Things Considered is my favorite show. I know. Me too. I'm subscribed to every one of their episodes. Yeah. So if you find them online, good luck because we're not going to tell you where they're at. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> wait, wait. <clears throat> we got it. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, you, you you can't see this at home, but um, Rich just did the you know the drawing his hands over his face to change his expression, pretentious actor thing. You know, Christiana, I recently found while surfing through the interwebs, I found a recording of a of an NPR style show that is found on the internet. It is called Podcast Public Radio, and I'd like to. I'd like to play some of those clips for you uh, because it is it involves April Fool's Day, which of course is when this episode will be released. Okay. Good morning. I'm Colby Adair. And I'm Evelyn de Havilland for Fresh Things Considered. Super cool. The drug debt is not super cool. President Obama makes Palestine and Israel fight it out. Green eggs and ham more biodegradable? April Fool's pranks throughout history. The true creation of the Irish folk dance and the world's greatest prank. Here's the news. Super cool, the drug that first surfaced in 1999 on the streets of Chicago in the theater and improv scene has reached across the United States. Children as far as California and Rhode Island have been caught with it on their person in schools. And although there are no laws against its use... There are still consequences. Suspension and even expulsion have caused many of these slackers to be removed from classrooms with a surprising side effect, increased average test scores around the nation. President Obama met with Palestinian and Israeli officials yesterday during a historic summit. During these talks, an agreement was reached as to how to decide who ultimately has ownership over the Gaza Strip. The two warring nations will choose one champion each, and in a month's time they will face each other in a best-of-seven game of Rochambeau, officiated by a referee from the United Nations Peacekeeping Force. And a modern eco-friendly retelling of the classic Dr. Seuss tale, Green Eggs and Ham, has debuted in bookstores nationwide. Featuring a foreword written by Al Gore, its retooling was done in the hopes that it would make the newest generations of humans more sensitive to the damage we do to the earth. The authors are attempting to make sure that our alien overlords will be kinder to us when they finally return and not be cross with what their pets have done with their gift. In a related story, Shetty discovered a recording beam to Earth 50 years ago. When translated, it says, See, this is why we don't have nice things. With St. Patrick's Day having just passed, we want to take a look at one of the most prevalent foreign holidays that the United States takes part in. We have the man that created the traditional Irish step dance known as River Dance. The name is Tom, Tom O'Fullery. I own a pub up the lane down in Dublin. Tis where Irish dancing was truly born. It was invented in me own pub. It was a fine Saturday night, shortly after supper. I was pouring the pints and the pub was hopping. And so were some people in a queue as far as the eye could see waiting to use the loo. I stepped away from the bar to investigate. Tommy, what's going on here? We've been waiting to have a wee, but no one's come out yet. Oh, bad news there. O'Reilly's gone and sicked all over the floor in there. I'll need to clean it up first. You just need to wait a little bit longer. Now you just keep hopping. 
I won't be having you piddle out here. No, no. Keep your arms to your side, lasses. It'll stir up the bladder less. And that's how I invented river dancing. I admit the river part of the title is a bit misleading unless you really think about it. You tell that bastard Michael Flatley that with the money he's made getting famous on my invention, he could at least come back to pay his bar tab. I'd like to thank Captain Tom O'Foolery for the true, never-before-told tale of the birth of Irish dancing. You may think it's all blarney, but it's as truly Irish as corned beef and cabbage. April Fool's Day, or All Fools of Tomorrow the Ween of Sea Day, is a day traditionally celebrated in many countries on April 1st. The day's been marked by various hoaxes or practical jokes. These jokes can be of varying sophistication and can be played on friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors, hoping to catch them unaware and make them feel embarrassed. Embarrassment is just one of the potential goals, as vulnerability, a feeling of inadequacy, or self-loathing can appear in many people, especially small children tricked into thinking it was dressed like a girl day at school while everyone else is comfortable in their regular school uniforms, while I stood there in a lovely summer dress with a daisy in my hair. However, in some countries, such as the United Kingdom, Australia, and South America, the jokes only last until noon, and someone who plays a trick after the designated time is called an April Fool. The origins have been lost to time. One likely theory is the Persian tradition of Sizda Bidar, believed to be the oldest prank-related tradition alive, going back as far as 536 BC. It is also thought to be the first official holiday celebrated after the adoption of the Gregorian calendar. In the 18th century, Disguise Day was celebrated in Rome. Roman men would disguise or alter their looks by becoming better looking. They would then approach the woman that they wished to marry, believing that it would bring joy, happiness, and a new meaning to life showing that the practice of a man having to change himself before being accepted by a woman existed before modern media pushed this paradigm into the psyche of little girls. Pranks throughout history have included Burger King's left-handed whoppers, announcing the death of government officials, and the state of Alabama changing the value of pie. We consulted a few of the cultural anthropologists at the local university history department and asked them, what are their favorite historical April Fool's pranks? Ah... The history of that most fascinating of holidays, April Fool's Day, is of particular interest to me, while other, shall we say, less well-rounded members of the scholarly community may point to when someone managed to place the kick-me sign on both Henry VIII and the Pope when they met on April 1st, 1547, I maintain that there is an even greater April Fool's prank, one that remains an influence on practical jokes even to this day. On 1 April 1st, during the reign of Emperor Iohannes Asinus, a young, bold servant endeavored to place an inflated sheep's bladder under the cushion of a senator that no one really liked. This servant, who came from a foreign land and was only known by the name Wu Pi, gave his emperor such a mighty good laugh that the story was told over and over again, and centuries after his death, this device of his is now the cornerstone of many a gag shop. It is that reason I maintain that this is the greatest April Fool's prank ever. April Fool's? Ah, yes, well, you've come to the right place. I have done quite a bit of research on japes, escapades, and monkey shines, focused on Imperial Spain between 1580 and 1600. The biggest prank of them all has to have been the great prank of 1582. King Charles IX of France had, by various means, obtained a number of notes of credit against King Philip II of Spain. 
He sent a letter to the king, stating that he'd forgive the Spanish debt in February 1581, to celebrate the feast day of John the Baptist's head. Needless to say, King Philip was overjoyed. The Spanish war debts were crushing his economy, so this was welcome news. As soon as the Spanish ambassador arrived to express his thanks for the French largesse, King Charles declared the new year would start on January 1st instead of April 1st, thereby shifting three months from 1581 to 1582 so there wouldn't be a February in that year at all. According to several usually reliable sources, the French ambassador had only one word to say to King Philip. Psych! In the year 1919, uh, some close friends of uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, they put together a fake magazine article um, for an April Fool's joke. And the joke was that they made this article about the facial hair of great leaders. And the, the article stated that a uh, toothbrush mustache... Uh, was the greatest possible mustache a leader could wear. And uh, the exact details are lost in time. But basically, the joke affected Hitler so much, he shaved his Kaiser-style mustache into the toothbrush mustache. And, and <coughs> Oh, that's so hilarious. Oh, I can't believe it. And he looked like a total moron, the rest... Of the the time took over Germany and Poland and all of that silly mustache. It was a riot. Best joke ever. One of the greatest pranks played on the world is the island of Ireland. Its origins had been shrouded in secrecy for centuries until April 1st, 2010. The world is still reeling from the announcement that the nation... Indeed, the very island of Ireland is, in fact, an elaborate and long-running hoax, the likes of which the world has never seen. A press conference called by the Prime Minister of Ireland was held on April 1st. Many people were hoping that it was the announcement of an end to the long-standing feud involving the Catholic Church and the IRA. That was true from a certain point of view. Thank you for gathering here today. We have important news that will impact the entire world. It was at this point that the Prime Minister reached beneath the lectern, pulling out an ancient Viking helmet, as well as a giant mug. He then put on the helmet and... With a wink to the press, he pounded down the flagon of ale, slammed down the mug, and stumbled off the stage. After immediately taking the audio to a lab, it was revealed that the Prime Minister had spoken an ancient Nordic language which translated to, We've never really been a country, you fools of April. Further information was revealed that the long-standing culture of the Celts, as well as the island of Ireland itself, has been nothing more than a hoax created by a drunken group of Vikings. This news has not just affected the United Kingdom, but the entire globe. The superstructure of the St. Patrick's Day memorabilia market crashed many people taking their emerald tchotchkes to local burn sites, has spurned a morbid collector's exchange for black market products. The University of Notre Dame has shut its doors and rescinded nearly 400,000 degrees, and the Boston Celtics saw all of their wins revoked and transferred to the Minnesota Vikings, despite them existing in not only different regional brackets, but completely different sports. 
Lucky Charms has changed their marshmallows to horned helmets, ships, and beer flagons with a plastic Thor's hammer in every box. Their beloved mascot, Lucky, being changed to Loki, the trickster god. But it wasn't just the economic world that was rattled. In Hollywood, production was ceased on the upcoming Leprechaun vs. Jason film. U2 frontman Bono, real name Norman Forkunye, was said to be relieved to finally give up the douchebag act. When England's Prime Minister Gordon Brown was contacted for a quote, he said only one word. Meh. With the world's eyes focused on the country formerly known as Ireland, information has been leaked about its true origins. Around the 8th century, Lars von Patrickson, feared Viking captain, had grown tired of traveling the seas, striking terror in the hearts of villages. He was ready to retire as life on the sea was never easy. During a drunken victory celebration, he told his men that they had accomplished all they could as sea-based warriors and lured them into his plan with tales of a kingdom that they would create, with each of them being lords of their own counties. His 20-year career had brought him many spoils, including an armada of five ships, which they would lash together as their newly formed island. With each captain being the lord of his boat county, they would be able to reign under his kingdom. Their crew became their people. Under this plan, they created their new country, subjecting any ships that shot port to attack. Conquered ships were added to the island, and the winning county lord would gain more land, thereby fulfilling the Vikings' need for battle, as well as their greed. Over the years, enough ships had been captured to increase their small island to nearly 33,000 square miles. No small feat. On the mainland, they were hailed as conquering heroes for discovering a new land, and only the original crew of Von Patrickson knew the truth. The people gathered every March 17th in celebration of the founding of their land, and each year they brought up the notion of telling the world that they were not a real island, but rather a man-made one. But each April 1st passed by without the big revelation— each year they decided it would be funnier if they waited just one more year. Over the years, the hulls of the lashed together ships would become worn and damaged, so in the 15th century, the best scientific minds of Ireland met to discuss possible solutions. By this time, the notion of revealing the prank had become less and less a possible reality, but the inevitability that their island would sink became more and more real. During one of the scientific think tanks, named show for their meeting inside one of the enormous bait tanks used in fishing, the scientists discovered that air could be used to buoy their plunging shorelines. They drafted their finest seamstresses and tailors as well as their best engineers to create 30 of what is still to date the largest floating mattresses the world has ever seen. The Irish prank deceived billions of people over its eon-long run, but no one has a more personal reaction than Sean Kilbride, the one man in Ireland not in on the joke. Mr. Kilbride, aged 37, has lived his entire life in the illusion of Ireland, never suspecting that all his countrymen, and indeed his very country itself, were all part of an elaborate hoax. In the weeks following the Great Revelation, Sean's story was lost among the international reaction, but we were lucky enough to have Dr. Marsha Hunt... Ph.D. Yes, Dr. Hunt, Ph.D. Marsha. Dr. Marsha Hunt, Ph.D. Dr. Marsha Hunt, Ph.D. has an interview with the man who, in a sense is the world's only true Irishman. Thank you, Cheddar. I sat down with the man who, in a sense, is the world's only true Irishman. I never suspected. Not once. Now that I look back, of course, there were many signs, but that's just hindsight, isn't it? I never knew. What sort of signs were there? Well, as a child, I never quite fit in with my peers. It sometimes felt as though there were a, a secret code or inside joke that I wasn't privy to. I had friends and all. I just... 
I wasn't a total outcast or anything, but I, I just sometimes felt like I was always half a step behind, without ever knowing why. Also, there was the great big horned helmets everyone had hidden in their bedrooms. One of the most astonishing things about the Irish prank is the apparent complicity of the entire Irish population over more than a thousand years of history. That is, the entire Irish population, except for you. Well, if you put it like that, I do feel a bit foolish. It seems that, as the generations progressed, the prank was typically passed along through families. Parents telling their children and so on. Tell us about your family. Why do you think they never let you in on the joke? Well, it's hard to say, really. Dad was always very taciturn. Traditional, you know. Those traditions, of course, were made up by drunken Vikings. Yes, well, at least then, he was very committed to the appearance. I suppose he always thought that me mom would take care of telling me. But mom was always a bit absent-minded, so I suppose she just forgot. She forgot. Forgot to tell you that your entire country was an elaborate prank. Well, I think she always meant to tell me. It's just that, uh, you know how it can go. Say your friend gets a new haircut. And you really like it and mean to tell them so. But then a day goes by and you can't remember for sure if you said anything or not. At that point, it would feel a bit awkward to bring it up again if you, if you did say something. And if you didn't, the moment has passed, hasn't it? Tell us about where you grew up. Well, I was raised in a little village on the coast. There were lots of small bed and breakfasts and tourist shops, mostly for English and European tourists on holiday. So my town was a bit more finished than most. You could walk all around the nearby hills and the buildings and so on and never suspect a thing. After all, it was supposed to be convincing for the tourists, yeah? What was school like? Were there any clues in your lessons? Actually, the lessons were pretty much normal. In order to keep up the gag, they had to give us actual educations, didn't they? Now that I think about it, though, when we studied Irish history, teachers tended to Blink with one eye a lot. Like they had a, a nervous tick. I'm glad you brought up Irish history, because, as we know now, much of what the world has known of Irish history and culture was in fact a complete sham. How does it feel to know that everything you've known, everything you've defined yourself by, your national identity, your culture, your entire worldview is utterly false? How can you not just feel that your entire reality has gone completely to pieces, leaving you in a self-destructive spiral of existential despair and nihilistic depression? Um, I, I, I guess. I, I suppose I just never really thought about it like that. Well, maybe you should. What? what? Sean, may I call you Sean? Uh, of course. Shawnee, if you want to cry, that's okay. No, no, I, I think I'm okay. Are you sure? Whole life is a lie, not even a sniffle. Well, it's not really a lie. Of course it is, you idiot. Is this how you do all your interviews? I called you an idiot. An utter moron. The outside world may have been fooled, but you lived there. Lived there your whole life amongst millions of people who were, every last one of them, pulling the world's collective leg. Your friends, your family, everyone you ever met and you never suspected. That must make you the stupidest man on earth, living or dead. And the fact that nobody ever told you must mean that you are a world-class loser as well. 
In a very real sense, you are the only real Irish person who has ever existed, which makes your entire existence nothing but an enormous practical joke with you as the punchline. How does that make you feel? Well, a bit embarrassed, I suppose. Well, don't speak too soon, because we've got an extra special surprise for you. You have? Yes. Now, of course, because the country of Ireland has been revealed to be a trick, you have been left somewhat uncertain as to your legal status. Isn't that right? Well, yes. I have wondered a bit. Well, we had our producers do some digging, and we can now share with you what lies in store for you, Mr. Kilbride. Are you ready to hear your future? All right. Well... The formerly fake Irish have decided to revert back to their original Viking culture, and as such, they don't really feel like you'd fit in anymore. So they've decided to reject you as a citizen of New Valhalla. New what? It's the new name for the Viking country. Do try to keep up. Oh. Furthermore, they've decided to banish you forever and burn all of your possessions, including your cat. Uh, I don't think I like that. Oh, it gets worse. Because you are now a man with no country, your passport is no longer valid, and you have been denied entry by every country in the world. What about Canada? The United States? Even Luxembourg? Especially Luxembourg. Oh. So now, you've basically got nowhere to go. As soon as you leave this building, you are officially persona non grata anywhere and everywhere on the planet. Unless you can bribe someone to get you to the moon, it's basically only a matter of time until you are indefinitely detained in Gitmo. How does that make you feel? I'm really, really bad, I suppose. Well then, we've got one more surprise for you. You have? Mr. Kilbride. Sean. Shawnee. April Fools. April Fools. Ah. That's a bit of a relief. I didn't much fancy the idea of going to the moon. Oh, no, you misunderstand. Everything I told you was true. The prank is that we called Homeland Security, and they're here to take you to Gitmo right now. Ha uh-huh. ha. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that, that's, that's pretty good. Take him away, boys. No, no but no, before you go. I, what? Are you sure that I can't get you to cry? I, uh, Just a little? You see, I made a bet with one of the producers, and I thought it was a lock. And money's a little tight now, so close to the end of the month. You understand, right? I suppose so. So then you'll do it? I'll put in a good word for you with the president. If you can put in a good word with the president, all right then. (laughs) Fantastic, thanks. So you'll tell the president about me? April fools. I don't know the president, moron. (laughs) You got me again. All right, take him away, boys. You heard that, Kevin? I want my 50 bucks. Our segment about the origin of Irish dancing seems a bit poorly timed after all that, doesn't it? It certainly does. Do we have anyone fact-checking our stories? Story as well as an interview with Bigfoot coming up on tomorrow's Fresh Things Considered. The Truth About Irish Dancing was written by Michael Mrozak of A Cast of Thousands. Contributions graciously provided by Justin Lowmaster, a.k.a. The Space Turtle, Nobilis, and Mildred Katie. Everything else was written and performed by Christiana Ellis and Podcasting's Rich Siegfried. Theme song was provided by Magnatune and performed by Five Star Fall. Hear more from them at myspace.com slash five star fall. 
That's the number five. Don't forget to give us feedback either on our website or by leaving us a message at 347-OUTCAST. That's 347-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Visit outcastmultimedia.com for more podcasts by me, podcasting's Rich Sigfret, and many other fine folks. will be released. Okay. <laughs> I love that we just completely f- the, uh, <laughs> the entire of everything. <laughs> this is improv. Roll with it. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and it. Yes, no. and it. <laughs> yes, and it. Yes, and it. <laughs> Meh. Right. Let, me, let me try that a little bit more English. <clears throat> Meh. <laughs> I could hear the, the accent. That well, I tried to look down on American, all things American, and was able to produce that. <laughs>